one D&D to rule them all. <laughs> and in the virtual tabletop, bind them. Welcome to Every Edition, the tabletop role-playing game talk show that's not limited to just one game, rule set, or style of play. We cover the latest incarnation of the world's most popular role-playing game, the old-school renaissance, and everything in between and adjacent. While we don't agree on everything, we do agree that rolling dice and assuming the roles of characters in a fictional setting is the greatest hobby in the world. Hello and welcome to every edition of the Tabletop RPG Talk Show. I'm John. I'm Jesse. In today's Loot the Body, we will be reviewing the brand new Spelljammer Adventures in Space box set. In our random encounter today, we're going to be talking about one D&D and sort of everything that comes with that. There's a, there's a lot that comes with <laughs> there's that. There's a lot. Maybe, right? A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of guessing, a lot of speculation, but a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and for our morale check, we will have tabletop news of the day. But first, Jesse, what's new? Well, the newest Magic the Gathering set, Dominaria uh, United, came out. Yes, it did. It's sort of a, a callback to Magic's origin, the original plane, the original lore. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the Brothers' War, which is sort of like a 20-odd-year storyline, which is really awesome. It's sort of trying to wrap that stuff up. Uh, it brought me back to magic uh, for cool. a while. I've been kind of kind of off magic just because of COVID and all that stuff. There's like really nowhere to play yet. And that crappy um, double feature. And yeah, there's been some uh, <laughs> some less than stellar releases. Yeah. Um, but I like the lore that comes with it. They've got a lot of awesome characters. I st I'm mm -hmm. still holding out hope for a D and D Dominaria book, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll see. Well, and remember, uh, a viewer sent us a PDF. That mm. there was in like 2016 or something like that, there was a Dominaria, um, you know, digital only release. Yes, yes, yes. Which means that they've already laid the groundwork for a physical release. So it that, that would make a lot of sense maybe for the the big anniversary coming up. That could be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. During the anniversary, sort of tie the two together. Yeah. What's new with you, John? Well, uh, I actually am back into playing Magic too. This would be weird because <laughs> we're both talking about Magic, but um, they've released a Dominaria Jumpstart yes. set. And uh, Jumpstart came out in the middle of the pandemic, and it was a new format of play that was basically like the card game Smash Up. You take, yes, you take yes, two yes. factions or take two themes and you smash them together, mm. and you got a deck ready to play. I love that because it's perfect for casual play, which at this point is where I am with Magic. I don't have the budget or time yeah. uh, to become a serious Magic player, nor, honestly, the interest. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> The, the casual play really appeals to me, and I think Jumpstart is terrific. It got kind of lampooned a little bit with the pandemic, mm. um, and it had a little bit of a rocky start. People weren't playing in person, and clearly this was a format that you needed, needed, to, be in needed to be in person, needed to be physical. Um, but they're giving it a second life, and so Dominaria's got a Jumpstart set attached to it. The Brothers War, the follow-up one, yep. is going to have Jumpstart attached to it, and they're doing a Jumpstart 2022. So... As long as Magic is doing Jumpstart, they're <laughs> going to have me. Nice. So, great. <laughs> it's time for a morale check. Our 
where morale checks are where we take a look at news of the week and things going on in our industry. Some updated news from the Marvel Multiverse RPG. So uh, uh, a few episodes ago, maybe a few more than a few, we talked about our playtest experience with the Marvel Multiverse RPG, which is the new Marvel RPG coming out next year. Yep. Uh, super awesome system. It was a 3D6 system. Uh, their 616 mm-hmm. dice system is what they call it. Uh, super fun, very crunchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly easy to get into, though, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're playing as a superhero, you know, who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. Uh, so they've updated some online rules based on feedback from uh, the community and the playtest stuff. There's a 1.2 PDF available on their website, as well as some info about which books we're getting next year on the release. Oh, cool. So a core book is going to release uh, in the summer of 2023. Um, and then a, a little bit after that, there's going to be an adventure book that's called The Cataclysm of Kang. Ooh. So I think this is really going to tie into what they've got going on with the cinematic universe. Okay. They're definitely setting up some Kang-related uh, multiverse stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's going to be a Kang movie. They've sort of introduced Kang a little bit in some of the, the, the shows. Um, so that'll hopefully bring in a lot of new people to tabletops in general yeah it's going to be a blockbuster release next summer that uh, i just hope that they do continue to move the game forward before the release it was very clearly a, a play test mm-hmm. right version um had some room for improvement um especially when it came to our experience was it was uh not a, didn't the, at least the adventure that came with it didn't have a lot of role play in it yeah 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 and very combat heavy very combat heavy so which that's fine but mm. it's not everything that you'd want out of a superhero game Correct. so hopefully they're Making some improvements. Yeah. So in other news, uh, Necromancer Games has a double module release. Double uh, feature. Double feature <laughs> on uh, Indiegogo right now. Um, and the thing that's interesting about it to me is that they're not only releasing it for 5th edition and releasing it for OSR uh, rules, mm. but it's also getting a, a third release or a third version uh, for Castles and Crusades. Nice. And so it's the first time in a long time that I've seen uh, CNC get some uh, third-party support or get you know get some support outside of Troll Lord Games. So that makes me more likely to support this particular uh, release. So mm. it's a, it's a Halloween double feature, uh, two modules, Fungus God from Outer Space, terrific title, right? <laughs> And uh, the other module is Heresy of Rot. Okay. Um, so both of them are our are, are combo job that you can uh, back on Indiegogo right Very now. Spooky. Yeah. Here at the, the end of September, we're about to, about to hit October. Um, and these Halloween double feature modules from Necromancer Games. Check out, uh, check out the Castles and Crusades version. We have some news from Free League. Uh, originally published in 1982... The original Scandinavian tabletop RPG of Dragonbane uh, is getting a re-release, also in English this time, Okay, um, which seems awesome. It's it's been 40 years. It's reimagined, sort of re-released. Free League has, you know, certainly has the the funds to do that. They've been kicking it on Kickstarter. Sure. Uh, (laughs) This might be a little vanity project. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Just like, oh, yeah, we can do fantasy, too. Like, yeah. It's, it's really good. Well, and I remember when I was three and it first came out <laughs> and I was uh, in Scandinavia. <laughs> oh, I can't uh, read this. It was, uh, yeah, I couldn't read one bit of it. But <laughs> it was really great. No, I mean, what the heck? Why not? Yeah, right? yeah I mean, it's, it's great. Why not? They're, they've got Blade Runner coming out soon, too. Free League's just 
killing it. Yeah, I, I you're right. I mean, I trust them at this mm-hmm. point. Like, if they're doing something, it's at least worth uh, worth exploration online, and then maybe even a uh, blind purchase. Yeah, um, yeah, I trust they're, them. They're good. They're good. And finally, uh, Bloat Games has announced that their Dark Places and Demogorgons game is going to get a re-release and a Kickstarter coming in October of 2022. Mm. Uh, but this time, the rules are going to be for old school essentials. Yes. <laughs> I, that's like It seems like such a perfect fit. It's so perfect. I love Dark Places and Demogorgons. It was a great game I, I got a chance to play over the summer. I, uh, I got everything that, that they had at the convention mm. uh, and ran a game for my family, planning to run a game for you in the near future. Um, when I ran it, it, di- it is a very like old-school OSR, almost like BX already sure. game, so the conversion's not going to be uh, that big a deal. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, I really think it's, it's like 90% there. Sure. Um, so this will nudge it a little bit, a little bit further. But if it's firmly in that pocket of old school essentials, that'll uh, make it easier for people, I think, to pick it up. Yeah, or, pick it up. Give give it more support. Give it more support. Yeah. All of that. So I'm all about it. They did um, a couple years ago. They ran a Kickstarter for an attempt at a fifth edition conversion okay. of Dark Places and Demogorgons, and it never funded mm. completely. Um, which I think now the game has gotten a little bit more, a little, little bit more traction, and yeah, I think yeah. it's probably a better fit with old school essentials. I think um, so. So uh, I, I'm really excited about it, and I'm hoping we can have um, Eric Bloat uh, on the show sometime in the near future, so we can talk about dark places and demogorgons and all the cool stuff that Bloat Games has going on. So how are you doing? Jesse and I are always asking each other how we're doing. We'd love to hear from you. Write us a note: every edition RPG at gmail.com or visit us at everyeditionrpg.com. There you can find links to all of our socials, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also find links to our YouTube channel, and you can find the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Let us know what's happening in your uh, at your group at home, your mm-hmm. tabletop role-playing game group. What are you playing right now? What are you experiencing? What's new at your table? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note. All right, it's time for a random encounter. Today's random encounter, we are talking about the Wizards Presents 1D&D. So it's been a couple weeks since this came out. We've had some time to sort of simmer on it, Mm -hmm. think about it. The internet has sort of cooled down on it. Uh, And we have some thoughts, like we normally do. Yeah, we love to hit topics once no one's talking about them anymore. <laughs> it's really, it makes more sense for us to wait until things really cool yeah. to almost a frozen solid <laughs> block. And then we decide to talk about it because... Yeah, spice it up. Yeah, because well, we've had more time to reflect. <laughs> We're not just knee-jerk reacting here. <laughs> clickbait. We, we have, yeah, it's not clickbait. This is quality tabletop talk programming. So <laughs> that's what we're giving you today. A, a really honest uh, take and some yeah. and some... You know, long discussions that we've had, um, you know, before the cameras were on. Yeah. So just kind of really, really thinking about it. So a couple of things that we want to hit, uh, just sort of as an overview. Uh, we're looking at the marketing. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the new ecosystems with the virtual tabletop right. coming with 1D&D. Yep. We're looking at backwards compatibility. Yep. We're looking at the playtest that's already out and, you know, to come. Yep. And... 
sort of a overall feelings of good, bad, and ugly kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we do things on this show, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with the, the marketing. Sure. Um, right? That's the first thing that kind of smacks you in the face. There's a new logo. One D&D. One D&D, right? Uh, you know, one D&D to rule them all. <laughs> and in the virtual tabletop, bind them. Right? <laughs> like, sure. you know, that's that's what's going on That's here. good. No, yeah. but it, it, it smacks you with the marketing, right? And it makes perfect sense, right? They were never going to call the next iteration of Dungeons & Dragons 5.5. Yes. right, Or 6th. Or even 6th. 6th was right? kind of close, but Shadowrun has gotten to 6. Call of Cthulhu's at like... 25 no they're seven they're at seven uh D, &D, i think is just over the numbering yeah uh, well and that's that's, so they've decided to say not only are we over the numbering but we're going to make that our marketing yeah our marketing thing right like oh sixth edition whatever this is one D &D. this is the you sort of see this with like movies and video games too like once it gets to a kind of an absurd number they just like forego the number and especially with the other things that we're talking about uh, they're trying to coalesce everything, so it just makes sense to just drop the number and call it one D and D, like Halloween H two O. Yes. Right? Yeah. This is D- we this don't is, talk about that movie. This is uh, yeah. This is Wizards version of Halloween H two O. Right. That's a bad omen. One D and D. Yeah. I mean, it's it is it's a reboot. Right? Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. reboot, and and they're trying to. I think with their marketing, they're trying to have this like. Bob Marley feeling of one love, mm. right? Like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna bring everybody together, and it's gonna be great, and we're gonna hug a tree and hold hands, and like, um, and that's the face that they're putting on. That's the marketing. Um, of course, that's not that is reality. not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. That's not <laughs> not reality, at all. Right? It's much more like I mean, all kidding aside, it's much more like the One Ring. Like well, they sure. want a little bit more control. It seems like, and truth be told they're a business hmm. this is all about money folks so they're looking about how to squeeze uh how to squeeze dollars and cents from us yep. their consumers right uh and their fans and their and the people who who love this hobby um so they're going to be looking for new ways to do that mm-hmm. because clearly the old ways can only get you so far and you've got to be reinventing yourself and and thinking of new strategies and new ways to do it um and so that is what uh, you know, it's a unifying theme. Um, you know, we're not replacing anything. Yeah, it's not replacing. Right? We're bringing things together yeah. by replacing them. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme that was like uh, 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 an old sort of like grognard type talking to a 5th edition player. And the 5th yeah. edition player was like, oh, this is just D&D 6th edition. This is dumb. I like 5th edition. And he's like, welcome to the club. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. Hardcore 5e players. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Like, yay. I can't, like, Then we'll be able to talk. You'll be like, I remember. I remember fifth edition. <laughs> it's like, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember second. And it's okay. Like, we got through it. And we still just play the game we want yeah, to play. Yeah, yeah. You like, play the game that you want. It's fine. And that's the thing. Fifth edition's not going anywhere, right? So, yeah. so everybody chill, right? <laughs> everybody chill. All right, so, but that does bring us to the next point of this conversation, right? Which is the new strategy here, right? Yeah. The new focus does seem to be on a virtual tabletop, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, I'm, uh, it's a new ecosystem for the game, right? If everything up until this point, the ecosystem of the game basically has been the table, mm-hmm. right? Well, the pandemic helped to move things into the virtual realm, and I think... Wizards will be just as happy for it to stay there. Yeah, yeah. Right? They realize that there's a huge market there. There's a lot of people who 
use it and want to be able to play mm-hmm. basically whenever they can. And, you know, scheduling is the biggest sort of enemy of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And if you don't have to worry about that, you're more than likely to use a system that uses that. Yeah, it's hard to get everybody together in the same room. It's easier to schedule uh, a Zoom call. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it takes it, it actually does take away then a pain point. Yeah. Right. For the hobby. Um, now, you can debate whether or not the quality of the game is as is as good yeah, virtual personal preference. right personal preference or what yeah what you prefer right mm. um, but it's very clear that they have five plus editions worth of this game with the physical tabletop as the primary ecosystem mm-hmm. and they experimented starting with fourth edition even st- even before then right they they uh, you know with having more digital tools and more you know virtual tabletop type stuff yeah um, I think they're going all in right I think that's what the next edition of D&D is going to be very much like fifth edition it's effectively I think it's going to be a 5.5 it's, I think it's very right. close to a 5.5 effectively right effectively a 5.5 but the real change is going to be emphasizing the virtual tabletop mm-hmm. and I, I want to sort of make something clear if you're not particularly versed on what a virtual tabletop is. I had this come up with a couple of my groups uh, when I was talking to them about it when it was announced. Um, It's not replacing your tabletop game. Mm -hmm. You are still able to, or in the future, you will still be able to purchase a campaign book, a a player's handbook, whatever, uh, and you can still play around the table with your buddies. There's just also a Wizards of the Coast virtual tabletop. There already exists virtual tabletops. Mm-hmm. Um, Roll20. Yeah, like Roll20. Foundry. Foundry, Fantasy Grounds. Yep. You know, any of these uh, that are, you know, even like VRChat. Mm-hmm. Um, these things have been used for years uh, alongside the physical D&D stuff. This is just now a Wizards licensed one that they're spending all of their resources on. Right. It doesn't mean that you can't play just on the tabletop. Right. Um, you can play just on one or the other or both. Um, so it's not it's 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 not taking one away. Yeah. Uh, well, I do think the focus though is going to be the virtual tabletop will be the lead dog. Oh, for sure. Right. And so therefore, it's going to be more like D and D as a service rather than a product. Okay. That's yeah. that's what that's what I'm I'm thinking about. It's going to be more like I subscribe, mm-hmm. kind of like in the same way like Nintendo tries to get you to do that with Nintendo Online, and they want and and they want you to have a subscription to not only save in the cloud but also you unlock certain retro games and yeah. stuff, right? And so that's trying to get it to be more like a more like a service, more like more like a subscription, more like a cable bill. And I think that's where Wizards would love to be that mm-hmm. you're paying a monthly fee for they have for a reliable feed. Reliable, yep, reliable stream of money. But I also think they want that video game money. Yeah, and I think they want that Fortnite money. I think they want. (laughs) I think they want that skin money. Microtransactions. Microtransactions. If they put uh, loot crates in the game, (laughs) uh, I'm. I'm never going to play Dungeons and Dragons again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not that version, right? Uh, no, I, I will likely not play D&D. You would leave? Okay. Uh, no, I mean, they're not going to do loot crates, but they are going to, you're going to, you know, your, your character, you're going to want that perfect virtual tabletop yes, yeah. mini representation. Yeah. And so, you know, purple pants are going to cost a buck. And they're and not going to let you import 
your character from anywhere else because you can't do that. Right. And a, and a dwarf with red hair. Again, it's all about the visual representation, right? That yeah. red hair is going to cost you another buck. And so by the time you're done, per customizing that virtual tabletop character through microtransactions and the effectively Fortnite skins, mm-hmm. right? Um, it'll cost you, you know, somewhere around $10 yep. worth of microtransactions, and you'll have a figure that looks close like your guy. But that's like six or seven people per table? Right. Over several thousand tables? Right. Like, yeah. It adds up real quick for them. And that's video game money. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. that's where they that's where they want to be. Um, so, yeah, subscriptions, microtransactions. Um, it is, I, I do anticipate it's going to be a pivot away from the table in that, yeah, there's still going to be books. Yeah. But that are going to be an afterthought, and you're going to be kind of like, oh, you're you're the old guy who still buys books, right? <laughs> I mean, so anecdotally, right? Um, my son and his friends go to a D and D night at a local cafe, sure, and um, they uh, they roll digital dice. Yeah, they right? just they don't use regular they, dice. They, and I, I I don't know if this makes me a bad parent or an old person or whatever. <laughs> I intervened, like after the first session, I said, guys. Listen, I love taking you to, to Dungeons and Dragons night at this cafe, and I'll do it every month. Sure, but you got to do me a solid here. You're rolling real dice. <laughs> that's the compromise. Okay, that's the comp. That's all I ask. I'm not playing the game with them. Like it's their game. Yep. Right. I stay all the way on the other side of the room just because I have to be there as a chaperone. Sure. But um, that's I'm like you got to roll real dice. It's <laughs> it's important, right? It's so, a tradition. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's more tradition. <laughs> but instinctively, though, or or just naturally, they went right to digital character sheets and rolling yep. dice digitally, and had to had to have somebody old like me say, "No, no, do it this way." <laughs> um, you know, so that is where if if you know my son is you know fourteen, mm. if that's where this new crop of D and D players is, well, you got to meet them where they are. Yeah. Yeah, right. if they're online, you gotta you gotta come to them. Yeah, and with things that are are worth ripping them away from whatever else is keeping their time. Right. I also think too, like the the idea of books as an afterthought. We'll talk about the Spelljammer set today, yeah. but there's already proof in the pudding that their physical product, Wizards physical product, is already in some ways starting to feel like an afterthought. Yeah, like things that they don't want to print. Right. <laughs> They'd rather just keep digital. Yeah, and why would and why would you want to spend the money? Yeah. Right. Well, if like digital release, that doesn't cost you near as much as printing and storing and transporting and selling and then getting returns yep. and all this kind of stuff. Like a physical product for a big corporation like Wizards starts to become a hassle. They would rather spend that on advertising. Exactly. Exactly. So the new ecosystem, virtual tabletop, mm. I, I think that's where it's going. And here's a positive note. Why not? Yeah. We do have five plus editions of a very table centric game. Why not have the latest edition take advantage of the latest tools? Mm. If I don't like it, I can play fifth edition. And you could just right? play on the tabletop. You don't need to worry about yeah. the virtual stuff. So uh, there's actually a game um, for PlayStation and I think, uh, or sorry, PC and I think PlayStation mm-hmm. uh, called Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, I, oh, don't, yeah. I don't know if it's actually released, but you can still play it. Um, it's it was built uh, like I think two years ago, using fifth edition books. Right, like all the developers had fifth edition books like right next to them throughout the whole thing, and when you play it, it feels like a virtual tabletop, virtual experience of Dungeons and Dragons. It's mm-hmm. very intuitive. 
if you come at it from a fifth edition rules standpoint. So they already have experience with this. They already have the digital stuff working towards it. Right. With microtransactions on D&D Beyond, which they now own, yep. you can buy bits and pieces of books. Like in Fizzbins, you can buy the, the new Dragonborn types for $4.99, or you could buy the new... Uh, uh, racial features or the uh, like the ranger class for four ninety nine five dollar chunks yes you yep. don't have to buy the whole book so it gets you to microtransactions so they're already doing this mm -hmm. so they've got the virtual stuff for everything going forward mm -hmm. but how does that meet the older players and the backwards compatibility stuff yeah so why be backwards compatible right mm -hmm. uh First of all, the reason I think that the game is going to be backwards compatible is because they're putting the virtual tabletop first, which means they're programming the virtual tabletop now, yep. which means they need a finished game to be, <laughs> to be programmed. Yes. Right. So it's going to be it's going to be five point five. It's going to have some tweaks, but basically the game is going to remain pretty much unchanged mm -hmm. because it is a good game. It is elegant. It is sleek. And I think a lot of the changes that they're going to make are actually going to be to serve the virtual tabletop first. Yeah, probably. Right? So they'll make some decisions based on either what's easier to program sure. or what makes more sense to program or, or what have you for the virtual tabletop. Um, that's, my, that's my thought. They're, they're programming now. They're yeah. making it now. They don't have time to play test a, a new version of the... Yeah, that would take another couple of years. Yeah, and the research and development of a completely new game, they are not interested in that. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no money in that. <laughs> there's money in video gamifying what they already have. Or they could just keep doing 5th edition things right. forever. Right. But they're trying to get more money. Yeah. Not so I think it's interesting. There's been a lot of focus on this idea, oh, it's going to be backwards compatible because they don't want to frustrate their customers. Yes. Right? I don't think that's it at all. <laughs> I, they don't... Wizards of the Coast doesn't have any trouble frustrating their customers. That's what they, that's what they do all the time. Have you heard of 3.5? <laughs> right. Have you heard of 4th edition? That's, but so they're not, they're not really worried about that. It's the, 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 the bottom line is they are making the virtual tabletop now. It's where all their research and development money is going. Mm -hmm. And it's going there right now. Yeah. And so they have to have a game that they can program. That's already created. And it's already going to be backwards compatible. Like, if you think about a 5th edition adventure... Yeah. Or, or even any... Even back to 3rd edition adventures, like, they're all pretty simple. Right. And uh, there's a lot of, like, companies and a lot of uh, individuals that update adventures, like, stats-wise, like, monster-wise, mm -hmm. challenge rating-wise, for 5th edition adventures. But to be fair, you could just do it in your head mm -hmm. because it's... Fifth edition is pretty simple. Mm -hmm. It's pretty boiled down. Uh, the campaigns that come with it are very role play heavy. They're very uh, they're very boiled down, mm -hmm. um, easily converted, yeah. and they're just going to continue making adventures that are the same, right? As if it was still fifth edition, right? Well, and that makes me think too. The the one thing that fifth edition has a lot of is campaign books. Yes, right. And so if they're creating a virtual tabletop for effectively the same game or the game that already exists with tweaks, right? Um, it's easy enough for them to take all the campaign books that they already have for 5th edition and reissue them as virtual tabletop versions. Yeah. And you will happily rebuy the same 
uh, adventure that you already own. Yeah, so I bought Out of the Abyss, you know, four years ago or five years ago or whatever. Right. And I'd spend another 50 bucks on a virtual version of it that I could run a new group through that actually has us go into the Underdark right. and has all these features and things. But you'll feel good about plunking down another 50 bucks on Out of the Abyss because it's like the the special edition version. Yeah, right? exactly, with, exactly. With the virtual tabletop, you know, uh newness yeah right but so they've got tons of adventures they've got a good game what they don't have is a virtual tabletop and the video yeah. gamification so the real reason for backwards compatibility is they can then pull from the library i think of stuff they've already got mm -hmm. right and just convert it to the virtual tabletop but sell it like it's a brand new product yes all right so let's talk about the uh the play test hmm. the, un the unearthed arcana that came out uh, to support this Wizards Presents announcement. Yep. Um, and let's do it. The let's do good, the bad, and the interesting. Sure. <laughs> um, I think the ugly is more interesting. I don't know. It's the virtual tabletop. Like that's the part of this that, like, you know, uh, is is causing people to be like, do we do we even want this? Yeah, it's a new and, frontier. Yeah. And and the consumer will re respond like, yeah. maybe we don't want it, but we don't know yet because mm -hmm. it's not out. Um, but if it stinks, you know, <laughs> you'll be the first to know. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but so let's look at the let's look at the unearthed arcana here. So it's uh, it focuses on character origins. Yep. Um, so it looks at uh, the race of the character, the background of the character, and the language of the character. That mm -hmm. those three components sort of make up the origin of your character and where they come from. Um, Languages is interesting, so everybody is going to speak common. Yep. Everybody's going to have a language associated with their background, and then everybody's going to have a third language of your Open choice, yeah. right? Which could be your racial language, but doesn't have to be. Good move, right? Makes sense. Uh, if you were a halfling raised by dwarves, you wouldn't you, speak halfling. You wouldn't speak halfling, or right? Whatever. Makes perfect sense. Um, so that's interesting, though. Everybody can speak three languages, so it's a very multicultural world. Yeah, that's world, pretty nice. Right? Um, <laughs> and here, here in the United States, where we're, where a lot of us are monolinguists, yeah. uh, the idea of speaking three languages might seem bizarre. But if you go to other parts of the world, the idea of speaking one language seems bizarre, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that's okay. That's that that that's cool. That's cool. That just is what it is. <laughs> um, they're putting all the. Uh, all the the pluses, all the bonuses to stats, in the background, yeah, rather which is than nice. rather than in the race. Mm -hmm. um, so that's interesting. So if you're like, a, you know, if your background is a butcher, you know, then you're spending all day butching, <laughs> and so you maybe you're a little bit stronger, sure. right, or something like that, right? So more strong than like a, a thief, right? Yeah, yeah. Or if your background is a student, and then you're spending all of your days in school, yeah, then studying. higher intelligence, sure. right? Okay, great. Um, Interesting, though, they are still going with the word race, right? Yeah, so Pathfinder uh, switched away from it. Right. Uh, a lot of games now are switching away from it. They're just sort of using ancestry or heritage, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, Species, right? It could just be a D&D &D has always used the word race, mm -hmm. so everybody in their head thinks of like what a race is. Mm -hmm. Like if you think of uh, the different races of D&D, &D, I think of elves and dragonborn and humans. Sure. And, um, I think if there was any time to change it, if they were thinking about changing it, this would be the time to do it right. with the new edition. Um, but maybe it will. This is just the Unearthed Arcana, so things could change. Yeah, well, and that was the big, like, 
the, one of the biggest responses that people had to this on Earth Arcana was, um, hey, why are you still using the word race? Mm. And it does set it up to like, what if this is just a straw man? Like, what if this is like the obvious easy change that they're they're going to roll sure, out? Sure, sure. They're going to roll out when the new game comes out, and then we're all going to applaud. We're like, <laughs> wow, they did it! Oh my gosh, they're brilliant! But right? they plan on doing it the whole they time. They plan on doing it all along, right? Um, yeah, part of me like it kind of reeks of that. Yeah, like, a little it, bit. <laughs> like it's so obvious, like. All these other things you think you're thinking about changing die rolls and stuff, but yeah. you're going with the word race. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right. Um, Simple oversight. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> now there is one new race. Yes. Though, yes, in, yes. Yes. Uh, in the Unarthurkana, the Ardlings, mm. which are effectively uh, like the the tieflings with a celestial background, yeah, rather instead than instead of demonic, instead of a demonic background. Um, Cool. Yeah. I seems like, cool. I like symmetry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Having both of them on a on a, the same party could be interesting. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the the Ardlings uh, and the Tieflings have three different uh, legacies, like ways in which they got their power. That seems to be also in terms of the the symmetry that they're thinking about for the for character creation, having a, three different things to choose from. Yeah. For for, uh, for fleshing out your character. Okay. Cool. So the good here. Um, I think I think the background things is the background change is going to be an obvious good update. Yes, also helps with lore and character building. Mm -hmm. Seems great. Yeah, gives some teeth to that. You know, the the fifth edition character sheet had something for background, but outside of the very first session that you play, where you're introducing your character, you maybe never referred to it again. <laughs> yes. um, so maybe this gives it a little bit more teeth because it's giving you, uh, it's affecting your your stats. And it seems like, yeah, like I want all of my stats to come from what I did until I was an adventurer. Right. I don't want my stats to come from uh, who birthed me. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. The bad here, it does seem like it's a return to feats. Yep. And there, I do have this sneaking suspicion that is it's starting to feel a little bit more fourth edition-y mm. in terms of symmetry. And it's starting to feel a little bit more third edition-y in terms of feats. I don't know that either of those things are moving the game forward. I don't particularly enjoy the feats in fifth edition. Mm -hmm. um, they're pretty... Uh, like condensed like there's a bunch of feats packed into one right and they're pretty powerful i know for the first couple of years of dming i just didn't allow people to use them yeah you just do the ability bump. yeah yeah uh now i've i've sort of laxed that rule with a with a like hey if you can explain mm -hmm. uh or if you have a good reason sure uh but most times they're just a little bit too powerful um and i'm afraid that if they decide to break those up again that's just more time inside of a book when everybody's leveling up that you're trying to sort of you know crunch over yeah uh, that's unnecessary all right and then finally the interesting here uh two things one uh inspiration yeah they're going to give you a concrete way to get it mm. right so if you roll a natural 20 uh not only do you do double damage but you also gain an inspiration point automatically mm. um that is, that sort of forces everybody, uh, every table to use inspiration. Whereas before, it really was almost completely DM discretion. Yes. Now it's got a mechanic. You roll a 20, you get a point of inspiration. You can only ever have one point of inspiration at a time, but 
you would automatically get one if you roll a 20. Uh, I will not be using this rule. <laughs> if yeah. it makes it into the main <laughs> game, I will not use this rule. I think inspiration, like, there's already a million ways for you to get uh, advantage on a roll, mm -hmm. even just sort of baked into your character. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I want to use inspiration, and I've used it maybe like 10 times, mm -hmm. it, it comes from a very, very good role play or combat yeah. moment. Yep. I want it to be something really, really, really special. Yep. And getting it every time you crit is you know, kind of lame. See, and this, <laughs> this feels like one of those moments, like I said before, that they're making a, a decision based on what is better for programming sure. than yep. what is better for the game, right? So DM discretion, that's hard to program, mm -hmm. right? But every time you roll a 20... Your box ticks for having an inspiration. Oh, that a computer understands and you can program. <laughs> so that's very clear to me. Like this is an this is an on off switch for a computer because mm -hmm. we're programming a virtual tabletop. It's yeah. not a decision that's based on what's actually going to make the game better. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, so interesting, right? That that to me. The other thing that's interesting, they're bringing back the idea of primal spells. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. That could be good. I, I, I'm not against Split that. Split the spells a little yeah. bit more. Split the spells a little bit more. Have the druids and the rangers and, the, and your and your nature based have a different uh, than your than your clerics and your paladins and your and your your godly domains. Yeah, right? there's there's been almost like ten years of uh, third party spells mm -hmm. and uh, mechanics revolving around fifth edition spells. Yep. Uh, take from some of that. Yeah. yeah. Use inspiration from that and, and delve into spells a little bit more. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a, I think the first time primal spells was a thing was with fourth edition. Mm -hmm. uh, at least the first time I remember I remember seeing it. Um, and then they, when they, you know, swept away the, the, <laughs> the stank of fourth edition, primal spells went away and that might have actually been one of the, one of the cooler sure. parts of it. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's try it. Let's yeah, try bringing good. it back. That sounds like it could be Interesting. Uh, let's see. So let us know what you thought about the Wizards Presents one uh, D and D reveal and the sort of trajectory that Dungeons and Dragons is going on for the foreseeable future. Uh, my main thought is uh, the name. I despise the name. One <laughs> D and D. I'm I'm sorry, person who made that name. Like it, it went through. Everybody agreed that it was cool. Uh, it's not cool. Just call it Dungeons and Dragons. Like right. everybody calls it D and D. Just keep it D&D &D and get rid of the numbers. That is a sort of umbrella term as it is. One D&D. &D, I'm not going to call it one D&D. &D. No one's going to call it one D&D. &D. <laughs> so let us know. EveryEditionRPG at gmail.com. You can check out our website, EveryEditionRPG.com, where you can find links to all our socials. And uh, let us know down in the comments what you thought of the one uh, D&D discussion. You know, Jesse, I think we were actually one D&D before one D&D. Really? Oh yeah, cover, yeah, yeah, yeah. We cover every edition. Yes. I mean, that's we we've been all about trying to bring everybody together. We should try to dig up some of the old like pre-podcast thought <laughs> thought bubbles. Pre maybe for the one year anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. It's time to loot the body. On today's loot the body, we are taking a look at wizards latest Spelljammer, Adventures in Space, the long-awaited, the uh, anticipated three-book, or maybe not, set <laughs> from Wizards of the Coast here. Um, yeah, so 
I couldn't wait for this. We have been talking about it since day one. Yeah. I, I mean, and I love Spelljammer. I, yeah. I have loved Spelljammer for a long time. Uh, I still can't wait. I still want. Uh, I still want to take what's good about this box yes. set and use it in our current campaign. I Absolutely. Really, I Absolutely. really want to do some Spelljammer, and I think there is, uh, you know, there's stuff here to like, mm-hmm. and there's stuff here to love, um, but it's not without effort. You got to dig for it. And it's, <laughs> And it's not without overlooking some very uh, <laughs> troublesome things yeah, going on in this box. That's bottle. a word. Yeah. So we're going to do a good, the bad, and the ugly yep. uh, this time around on this. Um, so uh, I think, though, right off the bat, if you want the short version of this review, if you're a player, uh, save your money. Yep. Okay? Uh, if you're a dungeon master... Or or you you have a, a table group. It's probably worth the purchase of one set for your for your for your, your table. T- yeah, your you table. could everybody could chip in and you could get yeah. this. Yeah, be nice. And uh, and like I said, if you don't mind homework, yep. like this does require some lifting. Uh, we haven't played Light of Xerixis. Correct. Um, so we don't know if it's any good. I hope it's good. I would love it if you ran. Yes, Light. I have plans on introducing that into our group. So yeah. I think. Uh, you know, we can report on that in the future. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to play. I think it uh, it's when you hit fifth level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so we're in a we're at the beginning of a of a new fifth edition campaign. Um, so maybe in a, in a little bit we can we can give it a shot. Yeah. All right. So the good here, um, Boo's Astral Menagerie. Fantastic. Great. It's great. a monster manual. What yeah. else could you want? Who? Monster manual. <laughs> right. And um, it you know one of the things that I really like about Boo's Astral Menagerie is that it actually has uh, two, at least two, uh, creatures from Dark Sun. Yes. So you've got the the, the Surin, hmm. uh, who are the Dark Sun lizard folk, and they have Defiler magic. Awesome. Uh, and actually there's a mechanic for the, for the Surin in, um, in Boo's Astral Menagerie for them to use a little bit of Defiler magic. So it's Ooh, the first okay. time it's making its appearance officially in uh, fifth edition, mm. that's cool. Uh, there's also the Braxit, which is the uh, Dark Sun, you know, psionic giant rhin- rhino, almost like a Star Wars Rancor sure. type creature. Uh, so cool. I love that. Those, I love that those guys are, are both in there. I also really like uh, the DM screen. Yes. Right. And overall. When you buy it, you will like the packaging. It is very great packaging. The special edition covers are great, too. Yeah, I, super attractive. Overall, great packaging. Yeah, the packaging <laughs> looks great. It looks <laughs> so good. It's a very good-looking, you know, uh, very good-looking product. Okay. We all know that a book is more than its cover, though. If you so. <laughs> put any of these books individually in your backpack on your way to a D&D session, you will love that they are lightweight. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> you will love that they're lightweight. And in fact, they're so lightweight <laughs> that they are... The bad here is that uh, the Astral Adventurer's Guide, right? The the, the Player's Guide here. Yep. Totally lacking in lore mm. and rules. Yep. For those of you paying attention to our previous episodes, both Crunch and... And fluff. <laughs> this is low on both meters. Um, so, you know, the, the thing that was glaring to me, and I've seen plenty of people talk about this, mm. uh, there's no rules for space combat. Yep. Right? For, for ship-to-ship combat. Okay? 
that's been talked about. You can find other other podcasters to to mention that. Uh, the thing that bugged me was magic items. Yes. Uh, and the serious lack of helms. Mm-hmm. There's supposed to be lots of different kinds of helms, and that they affect the spellcaster who's piloting the ship in different ways. Yeah, different ways. And there's one helm. There's one. There's one helm. I think there were like four different magic items or so. There yeah. was like less than one piece. It's 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 kind of sad. Like and it, and it loses like the whole idea that that in of itself is a new kind of magic item mm-hmm. and a, and a and a and a something that can change your game in a in a in a significant way. So I'm really it was really disappointed that there's only one kind of helm. Um, the reality of the packaging here, and, and I, I called this when they first announced it, is that you actually are getting less content than you would get out of a normal book. Yeah. So each of these little books is 60 pages thereabouts, like 64 pages or something like that. So it's 192 total pages. Okay. Spread across three books. Spread across three books. And so that means that each of the books has a table of contents. Each of the books has uh, like credits, credits like and stuff like that, all that kind of stuff, which eats up, you know, two to four pages. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, just picking a random book goes to the salt marsh, right? Uh, 256 pages. I had no idea it was that right. that many pages. So it's almost like you're missing. There should be a fourth mini book, yeah. and it's not there. And that one has ship combat in it. Exactly, right? <laughs> no, I, yeah, and it, I didn't pick that by accident, right? The 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 idea astral astral adventurers guide, right? They have a couple pages for the ships, which was always going to be my favorite part. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty sweet. Book, right? Looking yeah. at the different ships and the ship maps and stuff, great. The thing is, the stats are so lacking. Like, you get hit points, and basically that's it. And then a nice picture of the ship, and that's <laughs> yeah, about yeah. it. There is more information in Ghosts of the Salt Marsh on, you know, a keel boat. Sure. It's treated like a... It's it's given the stats like a monster in a monster mm. manual, right? Um there's more information for a keelboat than there is for any of the Spelljammer ships. That's ridiculous. Which is nuts when you think it's a spaceship that's getting you from adventure to adventure or could have an adventure in it yeah. of itself. So again, this connects to our discussion of 1D&D because I think they are going to be crunch-averse mm-hmm. from here on out, at least until... Uh, the virtual tabletop and one D&D comes out. But they didn't want to fill this up with new rules yep. because they want, again, they want backwards compatibility. They want to be programming right now. And they don't want to be creating things that they're going to have to figure out how to program. Yeah. Right? So you're not getting ship combat. You're not getting major stats for ships because they don't want to program it. So one D&D is already affecting 5th edition in, frankly, a negative way. Yeah, we know the next edition... <laughs> And they're working under the assumption that everything's going to be backwards compatible. So yep. everything until then is going to be seemingly like lighter yes. than it would normally. Yeah. And if you look at the slate of books coming up, they're lighter. It's, it's a it's a hollow. It's almost like a hollow slate. Like you can tell, like they're doing some fan favorite stuff, right? They're going to re-release uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver yeah. in a campaign book. Awesome, but that also lends itself to the backwards compatibility <laughs> yeah. idea that they can then resell you Fandelver now. Actually, they'll sell you the campaign book, and then they'll sell you the, the virtual, virtual. So you're going to sell it to you three times, folks. Um, it's good. It's, it's good. I don't know if it's three it's times. It's good. I don't know if three times good. But yeah, so the slate of the next couple books, um, I don't, it, yeah, I, I, I'm not expecting them to be uh, super crunchy. I'm not, yeah. ex- I'm not expecting them to have a lot of 
a lot uh, to actually add to the fifth edition game. Um, again, I think they're I think they're going to be rules adverse from here on out. To to be uh, to link this to video games a little bit. I don't know how how much our audience would cross over with World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. but that's a game that's been around for you know about fifteen, a little bit more than fifteen years now. Uh, and every couple of years goes through a new edition or new iteration. Um, and at some point, there comes a point where they announce the next version of the game and they stop making content. Or if they do make content for the current game, it's very light. Mm-hmm. There's no new things involved that shake up the game like a new book or a new campaign that's huge. Uh, it's just light stuff that doesn't rock the boat mm-hmm. because they're working towards the bigger new release. Yeah. And in truth, this started with um, the multiverse book. Yeah. Right? Monsters of the Multiverse, where they're basically repackaging what they already put out. I totally would anticipate, you know, there's that book of many things that's in the roster. Well, that to me sounds like either either a rules compendium or a magic item compendium, or they usually have ended each edition of D&D recently. They ended third and fourth with a rules compendium and and, yeah. and, and different sort of re-releases of, of, of the game. And it would be nice to have, like, a, another book similar to, like, the, the monster book uh, where all of the magic items from all of the different campaign yep. books and whatever are in all of the spells. one book, all the spells. Yep. Oh, I'm a sucker for those. And I would buy it yeah, again, I would too. even though I have all of that stuff oh, in yeah. various forms. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love Monsters of the Multiverse. <laughs> I think that's a great release. It's a good book. But... It didn't. They 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 weren't bending over backwards to put that one together. Yeah, exactly. Like that was a pretty easy. You know. Yeah. Here we go. Slap slap it together. Um, <laughs> all right. So then the ugly is uh, obviously the the quality control yep. uh, and the Hadozi. Yikes. Yeah, it was a pretty yikes moment. Uh, it's been covered sort of to death. Yeah. Um, but it was a pain point uh, mm-hmm. that was very obvious that. I sort of noticed, like, flipping through the book, but I didn't really know why I thought it was a pain point until I came up online. Uh, And then I was like, yeah, I clearly see that that's an issue. Um, And I think this leads itself well to the virtual tabletop stuff as well. Yeah. Well, the whole idea that the um, wizard issued an apology pretty quickly, and then they, you know, issued an errata right away on the digital version... And then all the physical books are still out there yep. in the world. And Wizards is like, someday there won't be physical books. <laughs> right? And, and we'll just be able to correct everything. Yeah, now they better. have to do a whole new print run if they want to keep this you know, sort of in circulation. And they have to change things. Right. Um, when otherwise they wouldn't. Well, and that, I don't think they'll ever do another print run with the corrected version. You don't think? No. Okay. I, I, they, I bet they printed all the ones they wanted. All they wanted. Yeah, I, I imagine so. And they can say they fixed it, mm-hmm. and you know that's moving forward. But so. again, this is like you know, as we're getting to the the end of fifth edition, as at least as we know it, um, they're pushing things out a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. They're not focusing so much, maybe on details. Things are gonna start slipping. Mm-hmm. Um, they're focused on the virtual tabletop. They're not focused on the physical product that they're releasing. So how the, like, you know, clearly sort of racist stuff with the Hadozi got out is because they're not paying attention. They're asleep at the wheel. With it. They don't, I, I, 
I feel like there's like some contempt with the physical product right yeah, now. Like, yeah, yeah. They don't actually care. Very about, tense. Yeah. They don't actually care about the physical product. They're they're like a kid messing with the margins of an essay. Yeah. Right. They're like, oh well, can we make it? If we squeeze this, then we, <laughs> then we can pump out three books, and then you know, and then we know John from every edition is gonna freak out because he loves. <laughs> More books, more better, right? And it's more like, covers. Yeah, more covers, more better. <laughs> Three alternate covers, good. <laughs> for the right? price of one. Yeah. And we all, you know, I guess we all fell for it, but I didn't I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Like, And it was just sort of like a, like a, the last nail in the coffin for me. Like, come on. Like, mm. All of these other pain points of the books and then the Hadozi thing, like. Yep. Yep. It's unfortunate. Yep. So there we are, folks. Uh, I'm hoping... Light of Xerixis is fun and yeah. good, uh, and Boo's Astral Menagerie is great. The Astral Adventurer's Guide, uh, terrible. <laughs> this is sort of another thing. Like if you if you point people to D and D Beyond, you can say, okay, buy one of these books, or right. like if you if you want the monsters, just buy the monster book. Right. So they don't even need to sell you the whole thing. They yeah. can just make the whole thing and then sell you it piecemealed. So you think they're intentionally making it so that you only want part of <laughs> part of what they're selling, so that when they start to sell you only parts of things, you're happy about it? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely think that that's been that's been a thing with D and D Beyond for for quite a yeah. bit. So people who use it are, are kind of conditioned for that. Mm -hmm. um, I think my biggest thing we didn't mention this in one D and D, but my biggest thing was I was hoping for an announcement of. Every time you buy a physical book, you'll get an online redemption for mm -hmm. an online version of it. Um, still holding out hope for that, but I think it's sort of dead hope now. Um, we'll see. Well, we'll yeah, see. I'm, I'm, we still I'm, st time. I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful about that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we've got a year of uh, nostalgia bait before yeah. we get to uh, the the new game and uh, the focus on the virtual tabletop. So maybe. Maybe 5e in terms of new official wizard stuff is already all but dead. Yeah. I'm just creeping to the <laughs> creeping to the end. So sorry about that, everybody. End of an era. <laughs> I mean, it had to had to end at some point. Yeah. Fifth edition's great. Uh, I understand people don't like it and would rather something new or play old stuff, but that's okay. We can all play the same same game. Still great third party content, and there always will be, right? I mean, that's as unless they shut down the. Shut down the uh, open gaming license. <laughs> oh, they wouldn't do that, would they? Uh, Wizard of the Coast. <laughs> Lawsuits uh, happening. Uh, we'll see. Probably another episode. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. A good, bad, and ugly episode. Shots were fired. Things are happening in Dungeons & Dragons. Things are happening all over our industry. And we're right here. Yeah. Every edition. I'm actually really excited to see what the virtual tabletop stuff looks like. At least, uh, you know, there's there's going to be some sort of beta test sure. that we're going to be able to try. I'm I'm just hoping for the best because I love this game. I love this hobby. I, I only want the best for it. Uh, it, it should be okay. Uh, but if more things come out like Spelljammer, I'll be a little less uh, optimistic. <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Let us know what you thought about everything, including Spelljammer, down in the comments below. Uh, or you can send us a line over at everyeditionrpg at gmail.com. You can find all of our socials at everyedition.com, including links to uh, our YouTube here, links to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, our Patreon, Facebook, Twitter, keeping the discussions there. We've got some hot drama going on over there. <laughs> uh, let us know. Let us know what you're thinking. And uh, we're actually coming up on one year. Yeah, one year anniversary. Every edition. Very exciting. We'll have to do... 
something special for the one-year anniversary. Yeah, so keep an eye on our socials over at everyedition.com. Thanks for watching. This has been Every Edition, the tabletop RPG talk show. Contact us by emailing everyeditionrpg at gmail.com, and we may feature you in a future episode. Special thanks to the Elkars for providing all the music you hear on the show. Check out the Elkars album Bad Ends to hear all the songs featured in their entirety. Thanks for listening, and remember, it's not the edition you play, it's how you roll the dice. Thank you.